back to the world's oldest 19-year-old. It's Jim Tove. <laughs> the oldest 19-year-old. <laughs> At least make me 21, so I'm legal everywhere. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> I'll give you, you. Well, if we get our forecast at high of 21, then uh, I'll, I'll do that. Well quick. done, said the youngest 57-year-old, uh, Skylar Peters. We'll have your news at 2.30 as well. We're being funny here, and it's, it's leading into my next segment, so I like that. Um, MGEU union rep Kyle Ross will join us. It looks like the MPI strike is going forward after the offer was turned down by the union. We'll get the latest from him in our next segment. And also Marnie Blunt's working on a story. We're going to have her uh, follow uh, Kyle Ross in the next segment. And then Doug Brown's going to be by. Our 680 CJB Blue Bombers analyst and former great going to break down that big win by the Bombers last night at IG Field at 2.30 on the program. But right now, I'm welcoming in Winnipeg's newest funniest person, the Winnipeg's funniest person winner from Rumors Comedy Mail, Pat Gagne. Pat, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Did you I'm doing excellent. Thank you. I appreciate you joining me today. Um, did you always know you were the funniest person in Winnipeg and you just had to get the title to prove it? Um. Uh- well, I, I would always tell my wife that I'm the funniest person in the house, at least. My family thinks I'm pretty funny, but uh, the contest was kind of just a bonus. I, I thought I was funny, but now it's nice to know that somebody else thinks so, too. Pat, it's funny you said that, because in our production meeting today, um, somebody said when I told him that I was having you on, what did he win? And I said, well, I'll find out. But the bragging rights in the house alone would be, because I constantly say I'm the funniest person in this house, too, and it's not taken well. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, the contest is called Funniest Person with a Day Job, so the people at work are going to have a tough year for them. And what do you do for a day job? Uh, I'm a teacher, actually. Right, excellent. So where do you teach at? I'm in. Uh, I'm at College Belleville. Okay, excellent. So tell us about the contest, why you wanted to go into it. Uh, well, basically, it was I kind of didn't want to do it. Uh, I'm like only, I'm barely a year into doing stand-up. It took me a long time to do it. I kind of grew up with a lot of anxiety and then, I got married and I told my wife that I wanted to try it. And she kind of politely pushed me out the door and said, get going and try it. And then uh, finally she was like, why don't you do the contest? What's the worst that could happen? I'm like, well, nobody laughs and then you lose. But it was just kind of every round I kept getting more and more confident. And then I got to the final. I said, holy crow, I might actually have a shot at winning this. And then kind of just happened. And I'm, really grateful that it did because it was it was a really good experience so i'm glad you did too because you mentioned the anxiety as uh, earlier in your life and stuff so look to me we all want to be rock stars we all want to be movie stars we all want to be comedians and and i think the toughest thing to do is comedian i really do so it's something like it's much like when you grow up and you always want to own a bar and then you talk to bar owners and they're like you know what this isn't the greatest it's actually a lot of work it's a lot of hard hours it's this and this and that Comedy, when did it first strike you that you wanted to do this? And then how did it help with your anxiety? Uh, well, actually, the start of my life, I actually wanted to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then... You still got uh, some around, life left, Pat. That's next. <laughs> well, and then I got to 12 years old and I stopped growing. So I realized that wasn't really an option. So my, my like people I really looked up to in wrestling were like Bobby the Brain Heenan. Heenan. I loved watching old uh, clips of the fabulous Freebirds and just how charismatic they were and stuff like that. And then I think I was about 14 when I saw Robin Williams live on Broadway on HBO. And I saw that and I was like, I need to do that. I need to try that at least once in my life. And then fast forward 
13 years later, I finally gave it a shot. Yeah. What's the attraction, Pat? Like, what is, is it just as simple as making people laugh or do you like the whole, like to me, part of the attraction to even want to be a, a comic was to make people laugh, but also the lifestyle. Like I'd love to sleep till noon. I'd love to go to a club every night. I'd love to have drinks after. Well, th- yeah, that was the thing. It was, I, my whole life, my favorite thing was just making people laugh. My favorite thing in the world was at Christmas time, having my grandma at Christmas and seeing how hard I could make her laugh. Okay. And then as I got older, I said this, like you said, the lifestyle is pretty cool. Like my favorite part of going to open mics is just hanging out with other comedians and just talking and riffing and talking about jokes and seeing if we can make each other laugh and then seeing if that translates onto the stage. It doesn't always work, but it's always fun to try. But that's what I, I appreciate you saying that. Cause that's what I didn't mean just to go for drinks. I meant like the camaraderie around it. That's what I kind of thought would be the cool lifestyle was that, You work at night, you make people laugh, you yourself have fun, and then you get to sort of like from my sports background, it's what I kind of like playing sports for too. It wasn't just the sports. It was to hang around after and be around, you know, your teammates and stuff. And I I thought comedy seemed like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, like sometimes I'll be on stage pretty early and I'll still hang around and I'll watch. There's there's so many great comics in the city. Like there's uh, Spencer Adamas and Mike Green. They're guys that I've watched on stage and I kind of just see their confidence and you just talk to them and they go, you know, it didn't start out like this. I mean, you really got a bomb for the first few months. Like I don't, I don't, I think it took me about two to three months to actually get a laugh on stage. And then you kind of get addicted to that feeling and you go home, write more stuff. Your wife tells you something's funny or something's not funny. And then I go and I try it again. It's just, it becomes an addiction and it's probably one of the better addictions to make, to want to make people laugh. So that's one of my favorite parts of it. How were those first two months where nobody laughed? Lonely. (laughs) (laughs) but i mean kudos to you because that would end it for a lot of people well and that's what does drive people away they think oh i some uh one of the comedians i do hang around with it was i think it was um my buddy jeff gobiel it was like you you think you're funny and you go up there and you just say things that are funny and there's a difference between saying something that's funny and telling a joke right and it took me about two months to figure out what that meant and then yeah i was I'm a teacher, so I'm reading a bunch of books on joke writing and I'm reading a bunch of biographies on how different comedians were finding in the different styles because there's not one way to do it. And it's just one of those arts where you're practicing in front of people all the time, which is the most terrifying thing. So if you can get past that and, okay, I didn't do great tonight. I'll come back tomorrow and I'll try it again. And then you do good and then you just move on and you forget. you got to have a really short memory. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I do – I was emceeing some golf tournaments – and it's being in broadcasting. It's one of my most nerve wracking things. Cause I always pull the Elaine off Seinfeld line is sometimes they don't laugh. Um, so I, I get that that's what you went through, right? Like that's, that's the, they don't laugh, but you kept at it and good for you for doing that. There's uh there's nothing more disheartening than being at home and writing. I try to write usually about a half hour a day, even if it's just writing notes in my phone, but you write, you take like an hour and you craft this, this joke that you think is hilarious and then you wait all day and you go at night and it's 1030 at night. You go on stage, you say the joke you've written all day and not a peep from the crowd. <laughs> and then you go, you know what? Maybe that's not as funny as I thought. And then you kind of just scrap it and you go back to the drawing board. For sure. So I do want to get into the, the title and congratulations, by the way. So you weren't sure you wanted to go in it. You go in it. Uh, tell us about the process. We had rumors comedy mail on at the start of this and said it would be about a six week thing and you'd have to go several times. Um, how was the whole process for you to the final where you actually want? Well, it was like, 
most people would say, I thought it was going to be really nerve wracking, but I've made like connections in the community, the comedy community in Winnipeg. So every night there was always like one or two guys that were with me that had been going to the open mic. So we kind of had that camaraderie. So it took a little bit of nerves off it, but me just being naturally just an anxious, nervous person, it was still, until I got up on stage, it was really nerve wracking. And then I'm up there and I just, I played sports growing up. So it was just like a different gear you go into or it's like, okay, I'm here. I brought like 40, 50 people who paid to see me. And if I don't make them laugh, that's on me and they're not going to come see me again. <laughs> and for them, most of them came all three rounds and it was just every time they came, it was, they laughed harder and I really got more comfortable. And I felt like the last final night after three weeks, I was like, I'm really dialed in here and I know my cues and where to look and when people are going to laugh and kind of just timing it out was the biggest issue. Timing is always the toughest because you have to do that live, right? Like you can't think what the timing is going to be. It has to be the timing of the crowd and all that. Uh, that's fascinating, Patrick. So what did you win and uh, what's next? So that night I was presented with a check for a thousand dollars, which was nice. I was hoping they'd give me the big happy Gilmore check, but they only gave me a little one. <laughs> and then <laughs> And then uh, I have to go back there and meet with the people at Rumors, and they're going to set me up with a trip to Calgary to perform at a local comedy club there. Not too sure what that looks like, but I've never done comedy outside of Winnipeg, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, that will be exciting. Good for you. And what's the plan here? And I, I, don't, I don't think your boss is listening to still the summer, but what is the plan for you? Would you like to do this full-time? The dream is to eventually, I would love to do this as my job. Um, not even close to that yet. I've barely been doing this a year, so it's. I would like to keep doing it. I'm not really a young guy. I'm in my early 30s, so I got to keep grinding out a little bit. I hope, hoping with this title, I can kind of push me into another level and kind of show me that I can do this. And hopefully, in a few years, the goal, the main goal, would be to perform it just for laughs. I think that would be my biggest goal for now. Other than that, I think everything else would just be gravy on top. Well, and it sounds Patrick or Pat, sorry, if it doesn't even happen that, you know, it's not a career, it's something you'll always do. Like you, you've come this far and you enjoy it. So it's something that even if you do remain teaching, which we all need teachers and and thanks for doing it. um, It's just something that'll always be there for you. So that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I can't see myself stopping this anytime soon. So Um, my news director wants you to make us laugh right now. Oh, I don't do that for free anymore. <laughs> See, you made me laugh, Patrick. That's what I did say. I go, that's the last thing comics want to hear is make me laugh right now. Uh, but you just made me laugh by answering it that way. Hey, man, congratulations. If people want to get in touch with you, maybe hire you, things like that, how do they find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram, uh, at Pat from Winnipeg. Uh, I got a TikTok, too. That's just me watching the internet and reacting, reacting to it. And if they want to see me in person, I actually got a show this Saturday, 10 p.m. at uh, River Heights Restaurant, being headlined by a really funny comedian in the city, Carol Cunningham. She's great. She'll she'll make you laugh harder than me. So if you want to see me live, that's where you can do it. And that's tomorrow night. It is. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it, Pat. Congratulations. I really appreciate you giving me the insight of how you got to where you are and continued success. I'd love to have you back as you go forward. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Pat Gagne is the winner of Rumors Comedy Mills, Winnipeg's Funniest Person this year, and we appreciate his time. We'll take a break. MGEU union rep Kyle Ross and Marnie Blunt all coming up in the next segment on 680 CJOB.